The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke in the 15th chapter. All the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them a parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep, losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices, and when he comes home, calls together all his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. I invite you to be seated and the kids can come forward for our uh, children's moment up here. You guys can stay in your seats if you want to, but you're welcome to come up and sit up here at the front so we can continue talking about the Nicene Creed together. Good morning, everybody. Morning. It was so good seeing you guys all in Sunday school. Did you enjoy Sunday school this morning? Yes. Yeah. You want to keep doing that? Yes. Okay. Well, that's good because we, you know, spend a lot of time planning for it. So want to make sure that everybody's having a good time, right? <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys tell Deacon Jenny thank you? No. She put a lot of work into that lesson for you guys this week. She's been working really hard on that. So we've been talking about the Nicene Creed, okay? And what do we say at the very beginning of the Creed? We say, I believe, right? And believe means trust. trust. Good, I trust. And who do we put our trust in? God. God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we say we put our trust in the new creation that God is making real through His church. The last few weeks we've been talking about the church, right? And we said that the church is one apostolic. What else? Catholic. Good. And 
apostolic, right? And holy. One holy, Catholic, and apostolic. Now last week we talked about the apostolic church. That means the church that comes to us from the very beginning. And we said that it is because of the great commission that Jesus gave to his disciples. What was the great commission? Who remembers that from last week? Anybody? Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world making disciples and baptizing them. So the next thing that we say in the creed is that we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Disciples are people who have been baptized and who follow the teachings of Jesus. Now, baptism is something that was given to us, given to all of us, the whole church, by Jesus. Jesus tells us that in our baptism, we belong to him. Baptism makes us belong to Jesus. He said this to Nicodemus. You guys think that is a fun word? Nicodemus? Yeah? This is in the beginning of John's gospel. Jesus sits down with one of, the, one of the rulers whose name was Nicodemus. And he said to him that if you want to belong to God, you have to be born into a new family. And that's what baptism is like. Baptism is like us being born into a new family. Baptism is how we are adopted into God's family. Now, we have had baptisms here in the past, right? Who remembers what we do during a baptism? Micah. Uh, you water. That's right. We pour water over somebody's head. That's right. What else happens? Um, you, you, usually they gather, family members gather around. The family members gather around. That's right. Jeremiah, what happens? I thought, when I was little, I thought they just threw water balloons at their head. Well, I mean, you know, I, the, I, I'm sure that that has happened before. Juice. You're bad. <laughs> Usually we try, to, we, we try to be a bit more formal when we do our baptisms, though, rather than just splashing water, right? What else? Who else remembers what happens when we do a baptism, James? That's right. We put, we put water over people's head. Why do you think we put water over people's head? What do you think that's supposed to remind us of? Jeremiah? It could be. Yeah, that's part of it. Tully? Um, that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. He did? That's right. He baptized Jesus in the water. Okay. Uh-huh. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Definitely not here. Okay. Baptism reminds us that our sins are being washed away. Okay? That's the, that's the reason that we use water. It's washing away of our sins. But it also is like being born into a new family. But what do we all do as a whole church? We stand around the baptismal font and we pray for the person who's being baptized. Why do you think we pray for them? Why do we pray for each other? Ian, do you have a guess why we pray for each other? Um, because to make God happy. It does, that's right. We ask God to bless the people who are around us. That's, what, that's the, the job that God has given to every single one of us who belong to his family. That we be a blessing to each other. That we do good where we can. That we make God's presence known. That we remind people how much Jesus loves them. At the end of the baptism, I take special oil that was given to us by the bishop and I put it over the person who's being baptized's head. 
And that reminds us that all of us who have been baptized have received the Holy Spirit. And because we've received the Holy Spirit and our sins have been washed away and we are born into a new family, we are adopted. And so now God is our Father. And we are sons and daughters of the King. Every single one of us who's baptized becomes a new creation and we have a new name. We're called Christians. It means that we belong to Jesus. Christian, it can be, yeah. And so that's why when we say the creed, we say all together, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. All right, next week we're going to talk a little bit more about baptism, okay? But I wanted to, to, to spend a few minutes today talking about that to kind of get us ready for talking about it next week, okay? All right, let's say our prayer together. Holy God, holy, mighty. Holy, immortal one, have mercy upon us. All right, you guys can go sit down. Each of the Gospels has a very broad way of, of reading it. We can, we can look at Matthew's Gospel and we can see that he is constantly calling our attention back to the Old Testament. that This is God at work through the covenant that he has established with his people. And we can, we, we can see those same kind of influences in, in Mark and in Luke and in John's gospel. But when we read Luke, the focus of Luke's gospel is that Jesus is our Savior. All right? And the trouble for us, at least the trouble for me, is that oftentimes when I hear that word, I just sort of hear it through the lens of like growing up in the church. And I'm like, oh yeah, Jesus is my Savior. And it's just this word that just sort of sits after a couple of commas. You know, it's always attached to Jesus' name somewhere. But I don't really pause and think about what it means for me to say that Jesus, that King Jesus, Jesus the Christ, is my Savior. But Luke, when he begins his gospel, begins the gospel with music. And the music that he begins his gospel with are hymns about God's deliverance of God's people. That this God is the one who, because of the covenant he has established with his people, is coming to cast down the mighty from their thrones and to raise up the lowly. And then he sings again and again that this is the God who has come to set his people free. Luke's gospel is about Jesus and focusing our attention on the fact that this is a God who has come to deliver his people. And so the book is filled with language from Exodus. The book is filled with language that calls our attention back to the Old Testament. But it also forces us right now today to come face to face with the fact that you and I right now today need to be set free. I don't often think about myself in those terms. Part of that is sort of the American spirit, right? We, we, don't, we, we don't live under tyranny and you know, we're, we're free people. And I don't think about myself in terms of needing to be set free. That certainly isn't true for all of our neighbors, but that's definitely certain, that, that is definitely true about me in my place of privilege. I don't have to think about myself as needing to be set free from anyone or from anything. 
And yet Luke, when he tells the story of Jesus, tells the story of Jesus to people in positions of power and authority and privilege and to people who are poor and who are downtrodden and who are forgotten and who are ostracized. And he says to all of them, you need to be set free. That God's heart is a heart to set his people free. And what's fascinating in this passage that we read in Luke 15 is that when he tells them that he has come to set people free, the response of the religious people is to grumble. Which is just a fantastic word, grumble. They start to grumble about it. But of course, this is Luke uses that word specifically because that same word that he uses is the same word that we find in the Greek version of the Old Testament when the people are coming out of Egypt when God has come and set his people free. The response of some of the people is to grumble. Yeah, they grumble. They grumble because there's not enough water and they grumble because they don't like the wilderness and they grumble because they don't like the way that Moses is leading them and they grumble because they miss Egypt and they grumble because they're not in the, in the promised land and they just continually over and over and over again, they grumble just like the Pharisees and the scribes are grumbling when Jesus is sitting down in their midst. Because deep in their hearts, what that grumbling comes out of is the sense that God has let me down. That grumbling comes out of a sense of entitlement that I have. Like, I deserve the things that I have, and if I don't get the things that I want right now, well, God has let me down, and so I grumble about it. And it's not just a them issue. This isn't just an issue that the Pharisees deal with. This is an issue that all of us deal with. The grumbling that happens inside every single one of our hearts. This feeling that, oh, well, the things that are happening are just really awful. And God has just let us down again. And Jesus knows that these people are grumbling. And Jesus knows that you and I, sitting here today, have grumbling in our hearts. And so Jesus does, in the most wonderful way imaginable, what he can to speak directly to their hearts and mine. He tells them three stories. He tells them three stories. The first story is about a sheep that's lost. And the second story is about a coin that is lost. And the third story is about two sons, children who are lost. The lost sons, the lost coin, the lost sheep. And in every single one of those stories, he locates one person that we're supposed to be paying close attention to. In the first one, it is the good shepherd. In the second one, it's the good housekeeper. In the third one, it's the good father. In every single one of these stories that he tells, he tells us that there is lostness all around us, all the time. Now again, just like that word, Savior, that word lost is tricky for us because we hear that word and we, in our American uh, Christian context, we just assume, oh, well, that means not Christian. But that obviously is not what Jesus is saying here. Nobody's Christian yet. They're just people in the covenant. So what is it that Jesus means when he says to all of these people gathered around this table, the, 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 the rich and the poor people from across all different uh, walks of life, what is it that Jesus is trying to tell them about themselves when he talks about lost sheep and lost coins and lost children? 
Lostness is us not being able to find our way home. That's what it means. And for us so often, we think of salvation. We think of Jesus as our Savior, as simply meaning that Jesus shows up and we do the thing that we're supposed to do and so we don't go to hell. And for us, that's what salvation means. But that's not what being saved means. Being saved does not mean being not destroyed. Being saved means that you and I, through the work of Jesus, are brought home. That's why he talks to them about lostness. You and I are being brought home. And that's what the religious leaders at that dinner party were missing out on. We talked about that a little bit last week. That they were all gathered together in one place and they were grumbling. They missed the fact that you can be sitting around the dinner table, but not be home. You can be sitting in the family room and still not be home. You can hang your coat up on the door hook on the way in and still not be home. And that's what they missed. And if I'm being honest, that's often what I miss as well. These stories that Jesus tells about lost things. He tells to them because he wants to create some kind of a a hunger inside of their hearts. Inside of our hearts, this longing to go home. To go home to the Father. To be loved. To be known. To belong. Belonging to the Father. Belonging to Jesus. And because we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, belonging to each other. And so there Jesus is, sitting at this, at this dinner, surrounded by all kinds of people, from, from, from people who are obviously wealthy enough that they, can, that they can welcome Jesus and his disciples and the people from the whole neighborhood into dinner, all the way down to the people who were invited to dinner because the door happened to be open at that time and they snuck in. Everyone in this community is sitting around the table having this meal as Jesus begins to teach them. And what Jesus unveils while he's sitting at that dinner table is the heart of the Father. God's love for God's people. Because the truth is that from the very beginning, God has always been stepping into our lives and calling us to himself, calling us to come home. From the very beginning, even when we took the whole of creation, and plunged it into the deepest darkness imaginable, the very first thing that God says is, where are you? The first thing that God says is, where are you? Where are you? And God is still here with us this morning, asking that question in our hearts. Where are you? For some of us today, we feel like a lost son. We've rejected the father. 
either by going off and living our own way or by hanging around at home and pretending to do the things that we're supposed to do. We've rejected the Father. We don't want His love. We just want the things that He has to give us. Or maybe the lostness in us today is like a coin that simply falls out of the place where it's supposed to be because of carelessness and cares and concerns. Because the world that we live in is full of distractions and things roll underneath the rug and underneath the bureau and fall away and become lost. Or maybe the lostness in our hearts today is like a sheep where we have lost sight of where we're supposed to be going and we have wandered off into our own way. All of those are ways that we become lost in our own hearts. Because it's not about whether or not you and I belong to Jesus. It's about whether or not you and I can hear His voice calling out to us, Where are you? Because He still whispers those words to our heart. Because that's who God is. That's the way that God loves us. Calling us again and again to Himself. And so maybe we're here today and we we feel lost because home just doesn't seem like home to us anymore. Or maybe we're lost today and we feel this grumbling and resentment in our own hearts because we feel like God has left us down, let us down. But this is the truth that God is continually calling us to Himself, calling to you right now, inviting you to come home. The Father calling to us, where are you? And at the same time, it may be that God is calling to the person sitting next to you, through you. It's an easy thing for us to overlook. We read scripture and we find, you know, Damascus Road experiences and, you know, incredible blight, blinding, uh, blinding lights and, and flashing signs and miraculous things happening. But the Great Commission, like we talked about with the kids, isn't that we all sit around and wait for somebody to have this incredible Eureka revelation moment. The Great Commission that God gives to every single part of God's family is to go and make disciples, to go and speak God's words to each other. That's what it means to be Christian. It means speaking the Father's love to each other. It means becoming Christ's love to each other. It means embodying the Spirit's love for each other. And it could be that that's where we're feeling lost today. That we've forgotten that that's what we're called to be. That we're called to reflect His love, His light, His care, His mercy, His justice into the lives of the people who are all around us. The people who are all around us right now and the people that we're going to meet as soon as we step out of these doors. 
But right here, right with us this morning, God is calling to us again. Inviting us to come to His table. Inviting us to sit down. Inviting us to come home. To receive who we are. To become who we receive. To be made whole. To be made holy. And to be sent back out into the world to proclaim His love and His peace. To proclaim that our God is a God who saves. That our God is a God who never stops. Who never relents. Who never ceases to pursue us. That our God is only always calling to me and to you. And to every single face we see, come home. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment, and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.